Hello, this is Eric Bryant, pastor at Gateway Church in South Austin. If you want more resources, including the notes from this message, go to ericbryant.org. Or to find out more about our community, go to gatewaychurch.com south. All right. Thank you for that rousing welcome. It's a time change. It's a time change. No, we're so glad that you're here today. This has been a really important series. And our hope is in the midst of this, you have heard loud and clear, you belong here. We believe you were created on purpose and for a purpose. And so what we've looked at is that in order to become who we've been created to be, it requires community. And we looked at how difficult community can actually be. And yet God is bringing us from different backgrounds into one family, a diverse community, and a real community. And last week we looked at how we are also a gifted community. And today we're talking about a supernatural community. So we're looking at these spiritual gifts. And, and if you're new to Gateway, I just want to welcome you. As John said, this is a place where you can come as you are. And we acknowledge that we're all in different places in our spiritual journey. But I want to walk you through a passage that looks at some of the more supernatural things that God can do through us. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul writes to the Corinthian church, now about the gifts of the spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. See, what we discover in the scriptures is that the moment you decide that you want to be forgiven and you want Jesus to lead you to become your Lord, you're, you're actually being born again with the Spirit of God. That you and I have the opportunity to connect with the creator of the universe, that his Spirit comes to live within each and every one of us. The moment we say yes to following Jesus... He not only forgives us, he empowers us. With the same power that rose Jesus from the dead, we walk around on a day-to-day -day basis. But the problem is we live in a broken world and we revert back to the ways of the world rather than living out who we are, this new creation. Now, in the midst of that, each of us begins to discover we have unique gifts, and last week, we looked at some of what we kind of refer to as the more natural gifts, leaders and teachers and counselors showing mercy. And I have to tell you that I was pretty clueless about the more supernatural gifts. I grew up Baptist. This is a confession time. <laughs> and in the church that I grew up, we ignored certain passages of scripture because they were just too weird. Or there were others that actually believed, no, no, we don't need those kind of miraculous things to happen anymore because now we have the scriptures, that those just operated until the Bible came to be. Now, some of that was reinforced as I had friends that were part of churches who were really weirded out because they talked about spiritual gifts like all the time. And there was a lot of abuse and even misuse. And then all you had to do is turn on the television and watch Robert Tilton. And 
my friend, this was back in the VHS days, found a, a copy of Tutin Tilton, which if you're too old to know what that is, don't Google it. But for those of us who were unaware of the supernatural, just some of the things that happened on TV just put us over the top. We were not interested. But actually, if you look at it, it in the American church, there are really kind of four different types of churches. And unfortunately, churches tend to focus on just being one or the other, when really God is calling us to be all of the above, right? There are some churches that emphasize the Bible, and, and everything is about helping believers grow. That's all it's about. And then there are others that are it's more about the experiences, the supernatural experiences that people have, the more spirit-led churches. And, and then you have the activist churches. It's not so much what happens on Sunday. It's about what they're trying to do in the city. And then there are churches that are more focused on seekers and trying to help them find faith. Well, we're committed to be all the above, that our hope is that we will experience the supernatural in, that is consistent with the scriptures, that people will be finding faith, that we'll be making a difference in the city. We don't want to buy into the lie that you have to pick and, and be one or the other. Now, not really familiar with the spiritual gifts, when I moved here, things started to happen that were a little bit unusual. How, how many of you moved to Austin from somewhere else? Just a show of almost all of our hands. Okay, just... <laughs> Just out of curiosity. Well, I don't know if you had this experience like we did, but suddenly things that, that could not be explained happened here, not quite like in other places. Now, it's not that we had never seen miracles. We had. In fact, there was a team at Mosaic, the church we were from in Los Angeles, that, that had kind of this, this group that, that operated in the more supernatural, and I lovingly, maybe jokingly, referred to, to them as our Ghostbusters. I don't know if they liked it. But, but I didn't know what to do with that category. And then all of a sudden, here, people would have conversations with me where they said, hey, I was praying for you, and this thought came to my mind. I don't know if this has anything to do with what you're working through, but I just thought I'd share it as an encouragement. And it was exactly what I was working through. All of a sudden, my wife, she started having these dreams, spiritual dreams, that like literally made sense that you could do something with. See, all of my dreams are more infused by ice cream and pizza and made no sense whatsoever. But I've seen people on Sunday mornings walk up with a limp for prayer and leave having been physically healed. Like miraculous things were happening. And then things got even crazier when I discovered that I had one of these supernatural gifts. Now, I have to tell you that it's not like something I can access at any time. It's just there are moments where I have discovered now, looking back, that there are moments in my life where I operated in a gift called faith. Now, this is not like saving faith. Like every one of us can, can choose by faith to trust in God. But, but this is a type of gift where we actually have a, a kind of a confidence in God that doesn't seem... To belong, Like it's almost this idea that we are able to kind of move forward in boldness. And we expect that, that God's going to move and we're not surprised when he answers a prayer. And, and there have been moments in my life where, where God just kind of made it clear to me that we can do this. Now, it's a funny gift to have for someone who struggles with anxiety. <laughs> and I've told you that my, I come from a long family of worriers. And it comes out with more like anger and control issues. But 
in 2012, as part of this little church family, we came to this building and we asked them if they'd be open to us renting. We were at Covington Middle School and it was, it was getting to be too small of a spot. And they said, yes, you can have 40,000 square feet. And we said, no, we don't want all of it. We just want part of it. And they said, then we're not interested. Well, we moved to Crockett High School where we had bigger parking lot and we grew a little bit more and I came back to them in 2014. It had been sitting empty for almost five years at that point. And I asked them if they would let us move in. And at this point, I had no idea. They were already talking to altitude. And so they were more open to 20,000 square feet, which is more what we were looking for. Actually, we were looking for 10, but 20,000 square feet was what they offered. And I remember having conversations with some of you as leaders and some of the executive pastors and our overseers. And for some reason, I just knew this is what we were supposed to do. And I just knew that somehow we could afford it. Now, at the time, Gateway South had probably about as many people are, total that are in this room right now. And so it was a big stretch. And so in the midst of all of this, it was about this time in 2015 that we were moving forward on moving into the space and we were raising money to do that. And it's a big deal. I've never asked people to give above and beyond. I've never been a part of a campaign quite like that. And it was exciting and it was terrifying. Especially because many of you had looked at me and said, are you sure we should do this? And many of our leaders looked at me and said, are you sure you should do this? And I said, yes. And now we were trying to do this. And so this is where the rubber meets the road, so to speak. And I remember I was on a, a trip. I was speaking at a seminary during the day in San Diego. And every night I was flying to a different city in California and speaking. It was crazy. And on this particular morning, I woke up a little bit anxious about what are we doing? How can we do this? God, did you really, was that really you saying, yes, go towards this big project? And I started reading in the scriptures. And that day, I happened to be reading in the Psalms. And I read this verse, Psalm 16, 8. I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. And I grabbed hold of that verse. And all day long, I was like, you know what? I will not be shaken. I, and literally, I was, there were times I was shaking, <laughs> but I, I was not going to be shaken. God, you said yes, I'm going to keep moving forward. I will not be shaken. So all throughout the day, I was just, anytime I start to get nervous, I would just quote that verse. Well, then I taught this class, I go to the airport, and I'm trying to fly to Fresno, California. And I'm sitting there, minding my own business, and they come on the intercom and say, we're going to be late to Fresno. And I just sat there and thought, you know what, I'll still be okay. I will not be shaken. Then they came back on and say, sorry, once again, we're going to be delayed even further and we'll be arriving at whatever time it was. Well, that was after the event. Now, God is a God of miracles, but I did not know how this would work. How could I possibly speak if I'm arriving after the event? But again, I will not be shaken. I walk up to the person at the gate and I asked her, hey, I know sometimes you do this. Can I get on another flight with another airline because the flight I'm currently scheduled on will get me there after the event I'm going to? And she said, I'm sorry, I don't have the authority to do that. And I said, well, do you happen to have a friend that does have the authority to do that? Because that's who I really want to talk to right now. And reluctantly, her supervisor comes over. He's not a friendly sort, but he puts me on that other flight. Now, at this point, I'm in contact with the event hosting me, and, and they're nervous. They, they don't have a backup plan. They're trying to figure out what to do, and, and I keep telling them, hey, look, 
I think this is going to be okay. They're going to put me on another airline. And so they put me on a bus and we were driving through this, the runways on our way to another terminal on this bus. And it was in the middle of that, even though it was going to be super close, I still just knew it was going to work out. And so I texted some of you and my family because I wanted them to start praying for something that I sensed was actually going to happen. I wanted them to experience the miracle. And so I get on the airplane and some of you will remember we were doing a series, it was called Life 24-7. It's this idea of having an intimate relationship with God and bringing hope to humanity 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And we were getting to move into a building that's open 24-7. And so I thought this was quite clever. I was choosing passages of scripture, like chapter 24, verse seven. Isn't that clever? I was so proud of myself. But I was, I was running out of good ones. And so I was on the airplane, on my way, still trusting I was somehow gonna make it just in time to speak, and I decide to do Acts 2, 47, close enough. And so I'm reading Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. And if you know the story, Jesus has died. He has risen from the dead. He's shown himself in front of all of his disciples. And they were waiting to go out as his witnesses to the planet. And they were waiting in Jerusalem as he told them to. And on Pentecost, on, in Acts chapter 2, Miraculously, the disciples were able to speak in the languages of all these people who are visiting for this holiday. And Peter stands up in the midst of this miracle and begins telling them that, that the Messiah has come and his name is Jesus. It's this miraculous moment in the church. And as I'm reading through Acts chapter 2, on my way to Acts chapter 2, verse 47, I was stunned because I read these words from Peter in Acts chapter 2. He says, I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. And I took my Bible and I threw it. It's like, wait a minute. I just read that and I could have sworn it was earlier in the Bible. What is it doing here? Well, he was quoting that same Psalm. And I remember sitting there just amazed that, okay, God, I get it. I will not be shaken. This is going to work out. I'm going to make it to Fresno, and somehow we're going to make it into that building. Well, we arrived. Fresno's an interesting airport. There's trees growing in the airport. And I walk through briskly, quickly. I get to the car, and the guy's like, I'm going to have to apologize now because I'm going to be speeding. I was like, that's all right. You know, it's him sinning, not me. So he's driving... <laughs> like a madman, trying to get there. And I walk in the back. They hand me the microphone just as they push play on the video introducing me. The it video, as I'm walking to the front, the video ends. I get on stage and I teach my little class in Fresno. Now, I don't know if it meant anything to anyone in Fresno. But I can tell you standing there, I knew I was going to make it. And I was able to text my kids, my wife, and, and some of you who had texted to pray for a miracle I knew was going to happen. And every time we got close and it was getting crazy and we weren't going to be able to get in or we didn't have enough money, like every time I just remind myself, wait a minute, God is with me. I will not be shaken. I have to tell you, just about three weeks ago, Tara, who leads our prayer team, was leading some of us as staff in a time of prayer. And during that time of prayer, I received a text and I knew it because it made noise. I had forgotten to turn it off. And, you know, it's, it's not very spiritual to check your phone during a prayer time. But I genuinely felt prompted to look at my phone. I promise, Tara, if you're in here. Yeah, I promise. And I look at my phone and I was amazed. 
Because a woman from the prayer team at North named Letha had sent me a text. Let me show you what it said. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Psalm 16, 8. And you can see my cynicism. Thank you for this. What prompted you to send this verse to me? <laughs> what is going on? See, God had whispered to Letha, I think Eric needs this right now. And she followed that prompting and sent me a text of the very verse that God had used three years prior to encourage me that everything's going to be okay. See, here's the amazing thing about God. God has given you gifts. When you say yes to him, he not only rescues you, he empowers you to make a difference, to find your purpose. And he uses you to build others up. What are your gifts? See, the way you find them is by serving others, with others. And as you build up others, you will discover that God has gifted you. Now, I have to tell you, there are times in my life where sometimes God says yes to something small so that we can trust him when he says no to something big. But God does the miraculous. Let's keep going in 1 Corinthians 12. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. Listen to here if any of these resonate. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gift of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. See, it's important that we realize that we need to honor and develop the gifts that God has given us. As a community, we need to honor all the gifts and develop all the gifts. Part of the beauty of the way that the the scriptures describe spiritual gifts is that you and I have uniqueness and we need to value people who are different than us because they have what we need to team with. All are important and it's critical that we are united in using our gifts. So let's walk through some of these more supernatural gifts. One of them, or actually three of them, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, or prophecy. Maybe you've been praying for someone or reading the scriptures and all of a sudden, in the midst of that time, a, a, a person will come to mind or an image will pop into your head regarding someone you care about. This could be God's way of whispering to you, a message for that person. Now, Jesus, as a human being, had a word of knowledge about the Samaritan woman. If you remember that story, she came up, he started a conversation, and he knew that she'd already been in a relationship with five different men. And he spoke to her this remarkable insight which opened her heart to following him as the Messiah. Now, a word of wisdom is divine insight into the solution to a problem or a situation. And you may look back and realize this was from God when you see it come to pass. Or a word of knowledge, you might have insight that you shouldn't necessarily know. Or prophecy. Now, when you and I hear prophecy, we think of like predicting the future, more like fortune-telling. But actually, it's really forth-telling. It's proclaiming what is true. And now, it could be knowledge about something past, present, or future, but it's given by God. could be in a dream or in a vision or, or some mental picture. But in the midst of it, it always must be consistent with who God is. And the way that you handle it is with kindness and with grace. And we'll talk about that more in a moment. 
And some of you, I'm just going to acknowledge, some of you may be here today and you had walked away from church because of the weird things that were happening where you grew up. It was unsettling and it was, it was not honoring to you. You may have felt forced. You may have felt afraid. And I want to say there are some people who not just abuse gifts, but there are some false teachers and even corrupt leaders that might make you feel like you don't measure up if you don't have this, or if you don't have enough faith, then this won't happen. That's not God's heart. In fact, what the scriptures tell us, do not quench the spirit. Don't let other people's abuse of the gifts keep you from experiencing the true gift that God has for you. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. See, the way that we test is... We know the scriptures. We need to spend time in the scriptures, but also we need to measure it by having conversations with other people. And we've created a couple of workshops we want to make sure you know about and want to invite you to be a part of. One is this coming weekend. It's called Advance. Now, in the past, we've done it over the course of several weeks, but we're doing it Friday 7 to 9 and Saturday 9 a.m. to 4. And I'll be leading this one, and we're focusing on something called the character matrix, on your spiritual gifts, on your personality, and something called Strengths Finder. And, and the cost will cover all these assessments and lunch on Saturday. But our hope is that you'll come with an open heart and discover more clearly who God's created you to be. Now, happening the same weekend, but up north is the Hearing God Workshop. And then about six weeks later, we're going to flip them. So you could do Advance Up North in April, or you could do the Hearing God Workshop here. An amazing and powerful experience where you can learn to hear God's voice and even become his messenger of hope, led by Tara and Amber and others. And so take advantage of these. They're really powerful. Now, you might have noticed when we've done Advance in the past, we've included the Enneagram. We've actually talked with some good friends of ours. Two of them go here, Aaron and Annette Brennan, and they are professionals when it comes to the Enneagram. We're doing a two-day uh, workshop here in May that you could be a part of. But I want you to know that if God whispers something in your mind and, and you're not sure what to do with it, let me just tell you what not to do. Don't go around telling people, God told me to tell you this. All right, that doesn't work. In fact, do as I described earlier, what people have done for me. Hey, can I ask you a question? I had this thought or I had this dream. Can I just share it with you to see if it might mean anything to you? With open hands and you might be amazed. They might say, oh my goodness, that's exactly what I've been praying for. I needed clarity on this. Or they might say, you know, I'll pray with you. That doesn't resonate right now and that's okay. But with open hands, rather than going around telling people, God told me to tell you, which is a very manipulative thing to do, by the way. Instead, just with open hearts, open hands, you're not pushing your agenda. You're not powering up. You're just coming with humility and a willingness to serve. 1 Corinthians 14.3 says, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. If you're not coming to strengthen, encourage, or comfort, then it's may not be from God. And prophets, verse 32, 1 Corinthians 14, are subject to prophets, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. This is critical in the midst of these conversations. Another one, gifts of healing or miracles. 
This is a supernatural ability to pray for people or pray for things to happen that seem outside the normal. Now, I've seen and heard this happening as part of us, but I will also tell you there are times we've prayed for things that did not come to pass. And it's important to understand that. Tara, who discovered this was one of the gifts that God gives her, was very reluctant to pray for healing. But then when she did, she saw someone healed. And, and in the midst of that, seeing miraculous things happen, one of her best friends was diagnosed with a disease. And for seven months, she prayed for healing. And this young mom of two kids died. And she had to wrestle through, God, why would you heal in these instances, but not in this instance? And see, what she discovered and what you and I can discover is that people do not heal people. Only God can heal people. And even if he does not, he can still be trusted. See, sometimes God heals in small ways so we can trust him when he says no in other ways. But see, we don't understand. We, we see things short-sightedly. We have to understand that, that God sees things from an eternal perspective. And we may not understand fully why there was a no or why there was a yes until the other side of eternity. But God's goal is to be loved and trusted and not to be used to get our will to be done, but to trust him. By the way, the greatest miracle is a transformed heart one that is made alive because of Jesus, because that kind of healing lasts forever. This is sad news, but Lazarus was risen from the dead by Jesus, but do you know he died a little bit later? It's a miracle, and then he died. See, physical healing is temporary, but spiritual healing lasts forever. But God still does the miraculous, and for some of us, we've stopped praying for a miracle you stopped believing that God could heal you physically or that God could heal your marriage or that God could bring healing in a relationship or bring healing emotionally. Don't give up. God still does the miraculous. There's also another gift. It's called distinguishing between spirits. Maybe you've heard it as discernment. My wife has this gift and, and I used to mock her. You know, it was her spidey senses were tingling. For some reason, I, Ghostbusters and Spider-Man, like I have cartoon references, I guess. And, and, and yet, there have been times when I've listened to her, where I've taken her seriously, where she has seen something, felt something that was a great warning to me. Discernment, gift of discernment, have this ability to sense something deceptive or underhanded or evil at work. But there's also gifts of tongues or interpretation of tongues. And, and again, this has been one that has been misleading to some. There are people in our church that have this gift, and in many ways, it's more like a prayer language. It's just something between them and God. In fact, the scriptures say it this way. The one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort, but anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. Now, there are times where if you were to speak in a language you did not understand, it's only helpful when there's someone there to interpret. And what happened in the scriptures in the book of Acts, we see people speaking in languages they didn't understand every time the message of Jesus was going into a new region. Now, what's interesting is the Gospels and Acts are historical. They're written more descriptively of what God did. In fact, let me give you an example. In the book of Mark, chapter 16, it talks about how these snakes were, had bitten some people and miraculously they were okay. 
Well, it's descriptive, a miracle that happened. But there are some churches in Appalachia you may have heard of. They took it as prescriptive, which Paul's letters are prescriptive. They're written to believers. This is how to live your life following God. And they took it as prescriptive. And so now they have snakes in their service every Sunday. They, they took something that was descriptive and they made it prescriptive. Even this idea of, of speaking in tongues, when, when it's used to say, well, you don't have enough faith or you haven't really experienced God until this happens, it's trying to take something that's descriptive and make it prescriptive. God still works and uses this gift, but it's gotta be for the building up of others. So let me walk you through a few things to do. Discover and develop your gifts. Remember, 1 Timothy 1.6 says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. You have gifts latent within you. Start serving. Let others speak into your life what they see in you. Next is use your gifts with restraint. 1 Corinthians 14. So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and inquirers or unbelievers come in, will they not say that you are not out of your mind? Paul is saying, look, don't forget about people who are searching. They are sitting there among you. That's why we do a lot of what we do. We take this verse seriously. We should be inclusive of everyone, no matter where they may be in their journey. And know that the operating of the spiritual gifts happens in the context of relationships. This is more like a Sermon on the Mount experience, where the crowds can come and hear about God, whether they believe in him or they're not even sure about him. And so along the way, we need to also remember to discover and develop our gifts means to love and to build others up. You can have these supernatural superpowers, but if you have not love, you have nothing. Listen to what this verse says in chapter 13. Right in the middle of the spiritual gifts, chapter 12 and 14, is a passage, one of the most beautiful passages on love. It says this, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge and I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. These gifts must operate in the context of love. This series is about love. Some of you have heard me tell the story years ago when I was at Baylor. It's a Christian school and I was a part of this steering committee to organize our spring revival because we thought we could somehow do that, organize revival. But our school needed it. It was at, at the time, this was in the, in the early 90s where kids would dress up to make it look like they'd been to church when they'd go to lunch on Sundays. But they hadn't been at church. They'd been doing who knows what, but they wanted to make it look like they had been. A lot of hypocrisy. And I was a little bit angry at our campus, and really judgmental of this crowd. And so we come to the event, and the speaker every night did just an amazing job, but he never had this invitation, which is what I grew up with. You walk to the front, and they keep playing the song until someone finally will walk to the front. And so every night, there was no invitation. And so on the last night, I went to him, the last night of him speaking, the next night we had a concert, and I went to him. His name was Dave Busby, and I said, I, I, I was the one organizing it. I'd been giving the announcements every week, and so I felt responsible. So I went to Dave, and I said, excuse me, but is there any way tonight you could do some sort of invitation? It's our last night for you to speak, and I just would love to give people an opportunity to respond to what maybe is happening in their heart. And he said, oh, I've got something planned for sure. 
So that night comes and he's sharing the story about how these two blind beggars were shouting out to Jesus, son of God, have mercy on us. And people told him, shut up, be quiet. Don't bother Jesus. But they wouldn't stop. Son of God, have mercy on us. And so then Jesus heard them and walked over to them and he looked at them and said, what do you want me to do for you? And they said, we want to be healed. And he healed them. So Dave Busby says, I put a microphone here at the front. And in front of all these people, not worrying about what they think, I'm inviting you to answer that question. Jesus is asking you, what do you want me to do for you? And come to the front and answer it on this mic. And I remember thinking, that is not what I had in mind. That is not what I wanted him to do. And literally in that moment, as we all waited, is anyone going to walk up here? I thought, well, maybe this is the chance for me to jump up and do the announcements. Hey, while you're about to confess, before you confess all your deepest, darkest secrets, don't forget the concert tomorrow night. Well, then a guy stands up and walks up and he confesses some really, really difficult things in his life. And he's crying. The next person comes up. She's crying because she's got an eating disorder and she begged God to heal her. The next was a young man who started yelling at God for not healing his father. God, help me to trust you again, even though I don't have a father anymore. One after another kept coming to the front. It was not what I expected. It was not what I wanted. An hour goes by. Some of the professors had left, and I was sitting there thinking, what am I going to do? How do I take control of the situation? But something horrible had happened in that moment. See, I had then realized I needed something from Jesus. But I didn't want to go to the microphone. I've been doing the announcements. People would recognize me. All the others are sharing their secret confessions anonymously, as anonymously as you can be in front of 4,000 people. <laughs> but I just knew I needed something from Jesus. Reluctantly, I walked to the front as the line got a little smaller. And on the microphone, I didn't even care about what others thought of me. I just knew in that moment I needed something from Jesus. And I just said, Jesus, help me. I don't love people. I don't care about all these people. All I care about is myself. God, would you change my heart? Help me not to be so judgmental. Help me to see people the way you see them. I just lost it. I was crying and I started walking towards the front row where I was seated and I saw my parents were still there. And I was like, wow, that's so amazing. And then I remembered, oh, that's right. I gave them a ride. <laughs> they were completely trapped. <laughs> and I grew up in a church where we didn't even clap after a good song, right? So there, we were not used to expressing any emotion and now I'm just blubbering and I sit down next to my dad and he kind of pats me on the back. More of like a don't ever do that again kind of <laughs> sweet little pat. Now, I don't know if revival came to our campus, but I do know that something changed in my heart. The trajectory of my life. And I wish I could tell you I've loved people the way God loves them ever since. But I can tell you I've caught glimpses of God's love for you. How he was willing to give everything for you. That he's created you on purpose and with a purpose. But he's not going to make you say yes to him. He's not going to make you take that next step of faith with him. 
You know, this series, we've been saying, you belong here and we mean it. But you know, he's inviting many of you to be with us, to say to our city, you belong here. Now, these spiritual gifts, they're remarkable and they're miraculous, but I'm gonna just be honest. See, some of us, it's important that we realize that you cannot operate in these gifts unless you know God. And, and you can only measure, is this from God or not, if you know who he is. Some of us, our next step is to start spending time with God, to be really serious and intentional about spending time in the scriptures and in prayer so that you can begin to, to gauge if what those thoughts are. Are they from God? Because usually thoughts from God require courage and selflessness, and they're consistent with who he's revealed himself to be in the scriptures. So I want to invite you during this next song, the band is going to sing a song that reminds us that God still does the miraculous. What miracle have you given up asking for? What is that next step you've been too afraid to take? Maybe it's just jumping in to serve with us. Maybe your next step is starting gate. Maybe your next step is to ask the prayer team to pray for a miracle for you. Or maybe your next step is to embrace the love of God. Say yes to follow him. And maybe you've already done that and your next step is to share that with the world, to share that with your church family as we celebrate baptisms right after the service. If that's you, if you know that's your next step or you even came prepared to do that during the song, go out to check in, get changed. If you didn't come prepared, we'll give you a towel you can sit on on your way home. But don't hesitate to do what you know God has called you to do, whatever it is. So in this moment, would you stand with me and let's sing, believing in a God who does miracles.